It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Wentz and the shotgun. Wentz with a commanding presence is back. Here comes the rush. He steps up. He fires on the run. Complete to Ertz across midfield. Look at that kid. Ertz got out of came across the field and there was great movement by Wentz and he threw a dart. He threw a dart. It is episode number 233 of BGN Radio, and uh, thank you wherever you are listening, whether that's on BleedingGreenNation.com, BGNRadio.com, or if you are subscribed uh, on the SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, tune in. Uh, and again, I, I can't say it enough. You guys have been fantastic with the reviews. We keep getting more in, and a lot of them, and mostly all of them, are five stars. So where your reviews and your subscriptions do go a very long way, and if you haven't done so already, please do so, uh, whether uh, it's on Stitcher or anything like that. I bring in the one and the only, the best-dressed man in the land, Mr. Teron Davenport from EaglesWire.com. Teron, what's happening, buddy? Hey, what's going on? Another day, another dollar. That's how they say it, and that's what I try to live by, man. That's right, and it's not just another day for the BGN Radio podcast, because if you haven't 
uh, noticed by now or did not see the post. We will be live, live, live Thursday, Friday, Saturday at the NFL Draft, April 27th uh, on through on Radio Row, sitting right next to the Rocky statue at the steps where the players are going to go up and uh, and thank their new contracts and their new futures in the NFL. We are very, very excited for that. You probably kind of knew that already, but what we didn't tell you is that you can be there, too, on opening night of the draft. We are not screwing around with this thing. Thursday, round one, we are going to be there. Courtesy of Bud Light, we are going to bring some of you with us to the NFL draft, and we are very excited about that. Of course, it's, it's a little anticlimactic because we're not exactly sure how many of you that we can bring with us, but we will be there. You will be there, and uh, that'll you know we're going to spread all of those out once we get the information on that. Hopefully, that's by next week, early next week, so you guys can start planning and doing a lot of different things here. But we will get you in there, whether you're a Patreon subscriber, just a follower of the show, or if you're brand new, we will find a way to get it out there uh, very, very soon. So that is going to be. Uh, very exciting for all of us. Tehran's going to be down there. We are already, listen to this, folks. We are already booking a ton of guests for Radio Row. We are going with emails back and forth to different agents. People want to actually sit down and talk to us from our mom's basement to the NFL draft in three years. This is very exciting stuff. So that's all. Thanks to you guys for hanging with us, and uh, and it's been an incredible journey. Uh, also, once again, if you are not a Patreon subscriber, there we're gonna do we're gonna double up on the Eagle uh, After Dark podcast. This is where we get a little weird, and football's very secondary, and we talk about all our weird things and habits and things like that between me, myself. Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, I just I just describe myself as two people: me, James Seltzer, and Brandon Gouton all kind of hang out. And uh, shouts to uh, Justin uh, Bowlinger, who uh, who sent us a nice message. Who just signed up not too long ago. He just said, "Hey, keep doing what you guys are doing." From uh, John to James to Patrick to Ben to Tehran, everybody brings a unique perspective to the podcast, and it's a pleasure to listen. Fly, Eagles, fly. And, of course, don't forget the notorious BLG. So thank you, Justin, for all that. And, of course, uh, as I say that, our new subscribers uh, for that, Lewis, Christopher, Ryan, Robert, Nick, thank you all for for signing up uh, this week, and, and that goes uh, a very long way. As uh, we have noticed, and we have, it's going to be another jam-packed show tonight, Tehran, as Dan Hatman from the Scouting Academy is going to join us. Really great insight onto what these next couple of weeks are like and what's going on in the scouting department with the general manager, all of that stuff as uh, as it goes on. He's coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but Tehran's the, the, the bigger news with the Eagles this week, uh, first and foremost, I guess, has been Dalvin Cook was on the uh, Sports Radio 94 WIP Airwaves, and he goes, First of all, talk to us about the interest uh, that has been shown uh, from the Eagles from time to time. Uh, with you, we know they visited with you a couple times, and you've been out here. Uh, how have those visits gone for you? Um, it's going good, man. I visited with them, I worked out with them, man, and everything been going smooth, man. They've been showing heavy interest in me, and you know I love the city when I went there, so you know everything's everything's good. So, what do you make of that, Teron? What is uh, is that? Uh, is there a lot of interest in there? Of course, the, the Dalvin Cook never goes away in the hearts and minds of the Philadelphia faithful. And he shouldn't. As one of the best running backs in this draft class, he shouldn't go away. And I, I think that's legit, man. I mean, when I talked to him in, in Indianapolis, he, he said that he had a meeting with them. He said they asked about his, his medical, you know, the shoulder. They asked about some of the background stuff. And, I mean, you look at what Howie Roseman said. You know, he has Dom there to, to make sure that 
you know, everything is good on the off the field side of things. So I think that the Eagles are an organization that could take on a guy like Dalvin Cook, who supposedly has these issues off the field. And, and I, I think that he could come in and, and really match this team as far as the offense, what they need. So whether or not that is 100 percent true as far as what he's saying remains to be seen. But I mean, it does. It doesn't surprise me that this team is interested in him because I mean, let's face it, he's a playmaker. He's a home run hitter, and that's exactly what this team needs out of the the offensive backfield. So he brings exactly what what they need. Absolutely, and uh, as much as we might disagree on the type of value that he is, I, I'm uh, I'm still on board with that guy. Can definitely play football. I do, however, think that the the heavy interest. Might be a little fabricated in there. There might be some him or, or agent speak, but hey, it's that time. He should be pumping himself up, man. I mean, there's been uh, a lot of overcorrection with Dalvin Cook. I've been involved with that as well. I've gone, you know, seven different ways on this kid. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of interesting to hear. More or less, I was very proud of Ben Livingston, who was the producer of the Carlin and Reese show, to, to book that because he doesn't really make a lot of appearances on there. And it was really nice and refreshing to, to have that on there. And shout out to uh, Carlin and Reese for. For, for hanging in there and doing that. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. It would be uh, – I, I think there are still a lot of people in the in the second round. Dalvin Cook, if he's there, absolutely take him. I, I, I am – I don't know. But to be honest with you, Teron, I have so much draft fatigue at this point that I'm just I, – I, I just want to get there. I really wish at some point that the NFL would just do the same thing as the NBA and have the finals, and then the draft is literally like two weeks later. Like, that would be great. You know, like the season's over. Okay, get to the draft, even if it was a month earlier. But they know what they're doing. We're, we're starving for new information. We're starving for all, for all this talk. They want to be number one in the offseason. I mean, the hockey playoffs are going on. The NBA playoffs are about to start. And everybody's still excited uh, about uh, about the NFL year, man. I mean, it's just you know, like we. Yeah, it, I, it's it's a year round thing. You, you know, you have the the schedule release parties. You, you have the 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 draft, of course. You have mini camp. Like they really do an excellent job of keeping football on the primary part of people, sports fans' minds throughout the year. And and that's just a shout out to just the way the NFL ha- has figured this thing out. Absolutely. As far as Dalvin Cook, before we move on from him, I, I think it's safe to say that there is real interest in him because I think an informal meeting at the combine, I think a, a formal meeting at the combine, I think having your positional coach there at his pro day, as well as personally working him out, I think that shows real interest in him. So I, I think the interest is there for him. But oh just yeah, I, at this, absolutely. This, this, and just to, just to clarify real quick, Toronto, yeah. I, I I wasn't saying that. There, there isn't as much interest as, as he's leading on. I, I definitely think there is. He was just kind of pumping it up there a little bit. <laughs> That's what I was oh, like. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I, I, I'm just saying, I, I'm just speaking from my perspective. Mm-hmm. What, what I've seen, I, I think there is interest and there should be. But just as far as like how this whole draft process, yeah, it, it you can get fatigued. But for me, really, it's just about staying the course, you know, and, and just continue to, to watch more and more film. And look for more information, and it's just one of those things where it just there's going to be a point in time where it finally happens, and, and you know you just kind of ride the wave until it does, man. That's that's the way I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And even today, uh, there was you know because I, I think uh, Albert Breer had put something out about Leonard Fournette and the the passion not being there for a lot of NFL teams. They didn't see the passion in this game and. 
some of that stuff. And and that's where I just kind of start shaking my head. I'm like, come on, man. And I, and I had tweeted out something, the effect of like, well, I hope that that anti-passion slides its ass all the way down to 14. And <laughs> the Eagles had to have a shot. And of course, that turned into the whole big debate. I, I want to get, I just want to reassess on this thing too, because we have talked about this before in the past. I, I am tired of hearing that you can't select a running back in the first round. I'm so I'm I'm so sick of uh, of that. It's 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 foolish. It's crazy. It's it's nonsense. Like because you could say that about literally anybody, any other position in this draft as well. You could say that, uh, you know. And in my mind, and we'll probably get into it a little bit later on the podcast. But if if Conley's there, and we're talking about the second or third, or somehow he's transferred into now the best corner in this draft, which which blows my mind. Like I'm. I'm going to take the better player at the better position because they need both of these things. You know, the Eagles have if, – if somehow Leonard Fournette is down there at 14-15, I would have a very, 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 very hard time saying no to that. And and I can't believe some of the takes that have, have surrounded themselves with this guy. Now, I'm a little biased too because I'm dug in. I thought he was the best running back. I haven't changed my opinion on that at all through this entire process. I'm fine if people think that Dalvin Cook is. I'm fine if you think Christian McCaffrey is. Either way, you shouldn't shy away from that, <laughs> you know. Especially if they're sitting there in the first round. There's no appropriate time to take any of these guys, in my opinion. Teron, like, if he's a great player, if he's going to help your football team, uh, go for it. You know, I, I can't believe that people are actually tricking themselves into saying that Fournette isn't a fit in this gap blocking system. It's crazy to me. Like, uh, no, <laughs> he is schemeless. In my opinion, I think Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey are all schemeless. Am I crazy in saying that? Let me ask you this. Who do you think is a more durable player, Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I actually don't know the injury histories of either one off the top of my head, but I would say Christian McCaffrey is probably more durable, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that that's the thing. I, I like Fournette as a running back. I think he's he's really good. I will say... I could see what people are saying as far as the scheme fit part of it because he is that guy that you have to give the ball to 25 to 30 times a game Mm -hmm. in order to really, really benefit from having him. But at the same time, a guy that big that could run that that fast, you know, is is definitely intriguing. But it's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. So many people question McCaffrey's durability, but – if you look at his career and Fournette's career, they have similar carries. McCaffrey ha- probably has a, a, a bit more, but McCaffrey has played every every game for yes. the most part. Yeah, which is uh, Fournette which is hasn't. Yeah, yeah, so that's exactly. the thing that that really you have to look at. But you're right; you can't really trick yourself. At the end of the day, you can never have too many good players, and a guy like Fournette is just one that you would just have to figure out how to make things happen. I tell you, if he came to the Eagles, it would be interesting because I think that's really going to – it would really force Doug Peterson to do something a little bit different from what he has done. And, and I think with Fournette and that offense, they're going to have to get away from the 17 total carries for a running back, the 14 total carries for a running back. So that's something that, that's going to be interesting if he were to somehow get past the Jets, Panthers, you, you know, and some of the other teams between the then and, and the Eagles. Yeah, and I think that I, I think there's a little bit of a misconception that Doug wants to throw the ball a lot, 
I, I think there is that that tempo that he wants to set in the running game. I, I just think that he's bad. Five, a misconception? A 5,000 <laughs> 5, different styles of RBBC, and it just doesn't work. You need, if you have a bell cow, you're going to run the fucking ball. Like, I don't, I don't know how hard that is. Of course, of course, I don't think he wants his quarterback throwing 660 times or whatever it is that Wentz ended up throwing. Wentz needs a guy like Leonard Fournette. Wentz needs a guy like Christian McCann. Wentz needs a bell cow, whoever, whoever it is out there. Now, I'm going to disagree with that one. Oh, man. Because Ron, if, if he's you, even said so. If you look, any, any coach who wants to run the football is not going to have 14 total carries, 17 total carries, less than 20 total carries consistently from your backfield. No coach is going to do that. But they so don't have the horses. make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. He wanted to pass the ball the way that, that he was he was passing the ball. But you have to remember the West Coast offense, a lot of times these short passes are in essence a run. So that's something else to, to factor into the whole thing, whereas on the stat sheet it shows up as a pass, but in essence it's, it's Carson Wentz, and he's he got roasted for this, yeah. you know, his yards per attempt. But I, I don't think that's 100% Carson's fault as much as it is scheme and it goes back to what i'm saying about the short passing being a a a running uh a running play in essence but at the same time doug peterson is just not that guy who's gonna run the football you you know give a guy 25 to 30 carries i don't see that in in his coaching philosophy and and i mean when was the last time you didn't see Andy Reid do that often, if if at all. Oh no, it's a, either, it's a, so. it's a staple of the West Coast offense. I'm not going to disagree with that, and so those short passes are like that. I'm just saying, I you know, I don't think he's completely Andy in that sense. I do think that you know the success that he had or didn't touch. I have no idea. That's the problem when I go back and like, well, I could say you know, look at what he did with Jamal Charles, and obviously he liked to do that, but Andy. He also took the ball out of his hand in a lot of crazy situations, so I don't know. I don't. I, I agree that I think that it, the, he's, it's always going to be like a at least a 60-40 type of thing in there, but I think if you get any one of those guys to be a bell cow, which they haven't had, they didn't – I mean, they couldn't do that with Smallwood. They couldn't do that with, uh, with Barner. Uh, Matthews was hurt all the time, so when Matthews was hurt – that's when you did see an uptick there. I don't, especially for a rookie quarterback. I think we got it in our heads again. It's like, oh, he's just this pass happy coach. He's doing all that stuff. But that's what uh, that's what's great about this is me and Teron will find out in a, in a few months, and then we can fight in the well, press box and do a lot of that stuff. It'll be great. If you if you look at Carson, let's let's look at Carson's attempts. Right, week one, thirty seven attempts. His first game in the NFL, he threw the football thirty seven times. Week two, 34. Week three, 31. 32. Against the Redskins, 22. Vikings, 28. Dallas, 43. Let's just skip skip past some of this and go to go to Cincinnati. Oh, that was a terrible attempts. game, though. It's the, a terrible the game. Second, that doesn't, it, the game was, was close early in the game. It, For it like wasn't five seconds. Out of, out of the, they were up 21 nothing to run. You could still run the football. See that this is this is where understanding you could still run the football when you, when you're down twenty one nothing. Every play does not have to be a pass. He should not have had sixty attempts against the Bengals. But you look at next week against the Redskins, forty seven pass attempts, forty six, forty two against the Ravens, forty three to end the year. 
Make no mistake about it. Doug Peterson is a passing coach. Oh, there man. is, is well, no – he is a pass-first coach. That that is probably true, but it's not in that. But not in that amount is is basically my argument. I understand what I mean. It's their offensive line was in shambles. Lane Johnson changed the running game. There's a lot of other different factors in there. And again, I want to say this for the, th- the third time in a row: they didn't have a running back that was a bell cow, and they still don't have one now. Which is well, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing, and you could say that fifty times. But if you have three or four running backs. That could comprise, again, I, I said collectively. I'm not talking about one running back. I'm talking about collectively under 20, 20 rushing attempts is not good. No, no. It's not good. I, I, and Frank Wright, I'm telling you, I sat in the press conferences. Frank White every every week would say, you know what, we have to figure out a way to run the football. And they couldn't. So, and they couldn't run and they couldn't pass. And that's why the team sucked. That's, why, that's exactly right. They couldn't do either one of those effectively. And, and that's all I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is, is Fournette may not be the best fit for this team because, again, I can't see Doug Peterson giving a, a group of running backs 25 to 30 carries, let alone one running back 25 to 30 carries. You and I both know this thing is, is, is built around Carson Wentz. They got these weapons for him also. So he's going to throw the football, you know, and that's why a guy – who could who could do a lot with less carries the way Dalvin Cook can would be a really good fit and in my book a better fit because like I've said on numerous occasions he is not a volume running back like Fournette is. Yeah, well, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see where where that kind of develops and and does a lot of that stuff and like Teron and I are fighting. I wonder if our next guest has, has fought his way in the scouting department as well or is going through back and forth. I want to welcome in on the Clippage TV hotline uh, from the scoutingacademy.com, former scout for the Jets, for the Eagles, and a bunch of other places and things. Uh, I believe he even won a, a Super Bowl ring as an intern somewhere. We'll have to ask him about that, too. We welcome in Mr. Dan Hatman. What is going on, sir? Hi, thanks for uh, joining us this evening. I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. So we've been... You know, we've been just discussing against, again all the fatigue. All the, the these guys are moving up the draft boards. These guys are moving down. This you know, this guy isn't as good anymore. What is actually happening right now in in the in the scouting departments in that front office of a lot of NFL teams this at this late in the stage of uh, of the NFL draft here? So we have hit the period of the final draft meetings. So we have now gathered uh, for most teams either this week or a little bit in the next week. All of our scouts, all of our coaches, everybody involved in the process, uh, the players towards the top of the board have been looked at by an area scout, a cross-checker, a national scout, at least one college director, maybe a pro director, the GM, the position coach, the coordinator, maybe the head coach. You've got medical people reading on their stuff. The character stuff has hopefully been gone through with a fine-tooth comb at this point, and you were trying to get a consensus grade on the board, and there is a lot of voices in the room. Uh, this process gets a little bit fatiguing for all involved, you know, reading the, the seventh different report on the same guy and then trying to see where you're different. Do we need to go to the film and see if we need to massage this thing out? Uh, someone going to stand at the table for this player? Are we going to knock him down the board? All this stuff gets fleshed out at the last you know, bit here to, like I said, put that thing um, locked and loaded. Is that all when, also when we tend to see a lot of, different reports coming out via media because, you know, everybody has their mock drafts and has 
all that stuff going on, and then they finally talk to one of you guys or someone that's around that scouting department. And they go, oh, oh, this guy is now. Now that now they've transitioned into into that. So you're saying there there would be a little bit of uh, uh, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for here of uh, uh, sure of <laughs> I don't know lividity or something like that to what a lot of those guys are are saying. So you you guys are a lot of the time. Scouting departments in the front office also are changing their minds as this process is going on? Well, it's more about what has someone done at this point in the process that would change what we have them at already. So you start the board process in December, and you get your initial fall board together. It's going to be massaged again before we do the combine. It's going to be massaged a little bit post-combine. Now we're completing the pro day circuit. The medical rechecks in Indy are going to happen uh, so we're getting the final bits of information. We've gone through our top 30 visits. They might be continuing a little bit, but most of the information that we need to gather has been gathered. Most of the people that need to interact with the prospect have interacted with the prospect. And now it's about, did everybody line up? And are we all on the same page about where this guy fits into our program? Are there differences and do we need to make adjustments? I think the biggest thing that changes a player's value at this point is that, especially from the coaching side, during the season, they're busy. They're coaching. So the, the senior bowl and through the combine is their first exposure. And then they're doing their private workouts, the pro day circuit, again, the top 30 visits. So they're getting a chance to finally interact with these players. Some of your top executives are finally getting a chance to maybe sit down with some of these players and talk to them. Those guys whose jobs are on the line to pick these players, the more time they spend with these players, the more they either fall in love or out of love with them. And I think that, to me, from my experience, was the thing that maybe impacted the board the most. I don't know if it was a pretty workout. I don't know if it was a combine workout. But it was more of we got this guy in the room and we talk shop with him and he is the type of person we want to work with. And that might help solidify or if you have a few guys that are graded the same way, break that cluster up. On the board, you're going to have clusters. You know, This year, for example, corner is one that's very hard for people to differentiate between a couple of different groups in the first day or two. Well, having a guy that gets on the board and crushes it, and he's exactly what you're looking for from that standpoint, could break up that cluster and raise one of those corners to the top of that particular pile. I'm glad you mentioned that about just whether you fall in love with a guy or kind of walk away like, oh, I'm not so sure about him a lot of times based off of the conversation that you have, because that's something that, that I personally uh, really do, you know, when, when I'm at the combine or senior bowl or East West shrine, getting that opportunity to just, Hey man, come here and just talk and shop with a guy. You really could get an understanding, you know, just for, for how he loves the game. I mean, I'm not saying that you could get a full gauge, but still you could get a kind of feel for it. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And at, at this point right now, you know, like you said, a lot of the, the visits have, have taken place, but you look at a team like the Bengals. They they had this this last minute visit with John Ross. What do you think? I mean, at this point, it's very clear the kid could play football and he measures out well. So, what do you think would drive a team to have a, a late visit with a prospect like the Bengals or even like the Eagles are having with uh, Tyreek Cohen out of NC A and T? So you have an opportunity to bring 30 prospects that are not from your regional area to your facility and spend time with them. It's affectionately referred to as your top 30. doesn't necessarily mean that your best 30 prospects, but just 30 in general. Um, a lot of times, the when they come is just dependent on their schedule. 
and uh-huh. when you can get them. You know, they might have had nine or ten teams call their agents to set up visits. They might have had teams call to do those private workouts either on campus or at uh, different locations. You know, they had their pro day. They might have other responsibilities. Some of these guys, uh, you know, if you take like a, a Josh Dobbs, I, I believe he's still taking classes at Tennessee to finish his degree. Most of these guys do depart from school during this semester for, to focus on the, this work. But just scheduling these guys can get complicated and it can get dragged out. And if you want to have your wide receiver coach, your director, player personnel, and maybe even your owner involved in a meeting, trying to find a day where the five people can all be in the same city, the same time can be complicated. So sometimes, you know, this late in the game, it's just, this is the best day we had to bring him on. Maybe there was an earlier thing. And again, one of our guys needed to go somewhere else. And so we rescheduled things of that nature can impact the timing. Okay, that makes sense. So when when you were in that position, what was it that you really value? Because, I mean, you have some who – Dalvin Cook, perfect example. Tease Tabor. These are guys who, when you watch them play football, it's very clear that they're good at what they do. Now, the spark measurements and, and you know, all of those type of things, the combine performance, that has caused some to sour on them. When you were in that position – what was it that made you really go in and pound the table for a particular prospect? So, you know, I'm a believer that the film is going to bring you to some answers and it's going to bring you to some questions in the process. And, you know, you might get done with a prospect on film and feel really comfortable about six or seven different attributes or things that they bring to the table on the film. And then there might be one or two areas where, hey, I'd love to work that kid out and test him in this area. Or if it's a mental thing, I'd like to talk to him. Um, Or if you're looking to change positions, you know, if you take a Hassan Reddick type and you're going to say, hey, I'm going to move him in a stacked backer. I want to see how he works in space in that way. Um, You know, in those situations, that's what the rest of this process helps with. Now, to your point, if I got done with the film and I felt really good about the way the guy played football and the, the traits that I saw them and the reasons why they were successful, I think, are transferable, I didn't get it. I didn't want to let the rest of it take me off of that spot. Uh-huh. If I went into the combine process and said, Hey, I have a question about this guy's speed. I'm just not sure. I see this player. If it's a corner, that third level of the field, he does not maintain um, staying in phase with the receiver. I think there are opportunities for this guy to get exploited in those areas. I want to see how he, he runs in the process. Well, that to me, if you come in with a question and then they don't test to that, to me, that would, you know, that's where I think this stuff really can be powerful. But if you come away from the film and they can play ball, um, and then to me to let that, some of that other stuff then come in and, and take you off that spot, it gets harder for me to believe in. The one that's really hard is tease, you know, and, and to to watch him play ball. And, and I understand, and I've seen it myself, and there, there are absolutely things he does well. But the the number of guys who have been able to perform at a top level with some of the testing numbers that he has is really small. So he's just going to be an outlier. And it's about, do you believe that he has the rest of it in his, in his head and in his heart to take what he does have from a physical gift standpoint and produce at the NFL level? Is he just going to be that outlier or is he going to be one of the many that if they test at this level, typically don't pan out. And that just becomes a, a risk assessment thing. You know, how much are you going to buy into this guy um, and it, with anything in the draft, how much am I going to give up to get this guy? Anytime we're deciding what, what to do with a, a grade or a round or a pick, the question that you're being asked is what, at what point 
would I take the chance on him? What pick feels good? What resource would I give up to gain access to him? And it's just about how much risk you're willing to put in the process. And Dan, with a player like that, or and it could be any type of thing in your, in your experience, how bad does it get if there is, say, I don't know, half of the room that is saying, no, we have to take this kid. I know what the numbers are saying. I know what that is or whatever. And then the other half is like, are you crazy? How, like, how long does the infighting go on if it does occur? Oh, you absolutely <laughs> see fights. <laughs> and not to the physical standpoint, but people just, I mean, full-blown debates. Um, some of them where it's point-counterpoint and it's pretty um, – it, like an appropriate debate, so to speak. And then some of them, you know, guys are basically each other's throats. Like, I don't understand how you're seeing what you think you're seeing. Now, if you get to the point where it's a film question, the nice thing is the literally somebody's made a cut up. We'll put the cut up on in the room. We'll talk through it. And everybody in the room gets to weigh in and we get to answer that question now. But if it's one of these kind of philosophical questions from a, do you believe that a guy with this testing metric and this film can be successful? And you have literally two camps in the room. At some point, the final decision maker, whatever title that they have, they got to step up. It's their room and they have to make a decision. And that's the the beauty of this process is this is not one guy's board. It's not just the GM's board. He's responsible for everything on it. And he's responsible for the picks and the whole nine yards. That's the job that they sign up for. But they are empowering people throughout the organization to collect certain information and set that board in certain ways so that they can make the best decision possible. So you have to figure out how do I leverage not just what I believe, but with the 20 other people or so that I'm you know, not just empowering, but we're, we are compensating them to do this work. What value are they bringing to the table? What, did they, what are they telling me that they learned in this process? That's going to help me make this decision. And then you just got to pull the trigger. You got to pick a camp and go with it. Well, this is some fantastic insight here, Dan. And this is what's great about it is because that's what kind of the, the Scouting Academy opens up here, the scoutingacademy.com. If you want to, you know, if if you're sitting there and you're one of those armchair guys like, like myself and want to know what I'm supposed to be looking at and get a lot of this insight, this is what's great here. I want to stick with, with some of that just real quick and then we'll let you go. What kind of teams, because obviously – T. Staber and, and Dalvin Cook have been in Philadelphia Eagles fans' mouth since October. I don't know. I feel like we've been talking about them forever. Do they fit here, or do you see them fitting better somewhere else? Uh, I would say yes to Dalvin. I think the things that he does well would be fine with um, how Doug has historically built an offense. T's is a little tougher. You know, I mean, Jim's done a lot of different things in his time and is adaptable, but it just seems like the profile of what they're, you know, what they're looking for in terms of length. And then, um, you know, the ability to function in man and things of that nature. And it's not that tease hasn't performed in some of those areas, but again, it's that question of, can he do it against this level of competition? Because not every receiver that he faced in the sec is going to play in the national football league. Um, just like not every tackle that Miles Garrett ran around in the sec is going to play in the national football league. So you got to kind of make that question. I would say there's a better chance of someone like Dalvin um, being up there than I would think uh, Tease. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, and that's you, how I kind of feel about you that make too. A good, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, you make sorry, a good man. point about uh, Miles because, you know, if you go back and, and you look, a lot of his sacks came against lesser competition. But, you know, we're not going to say anything about that. 
<laughs> I, like I said, I think context of all this stuff is important. <laughs> it, it, the, the traits are only transferable if the play if the player is representing them against people that have a chance to play in the National Football League. If a guy goes out there and he beats someone that's not going to play in the league, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a transferable trait. Absolutely. So you just you, you gotta you gotta look at each of these scenarios through that lens. You know, um, I remember watching Shane Ray, who had unbelievable production at Missouri, oh, who is a very competent football player. There's a lot to like about his game, but the areas where he was most productive in terms of his sack total were not coming against the premier competition in the SEC. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Shane Ray was so that, that was a you know, huge one. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, and the, and that was like that was a huge discussion for a very very very. A uh, long time, and uh, obviously he landed in a in a pretty good spot, and I think he's still going to have a pretty good career here. But yeah, it was that was that was a, that was one of the polarizing runs from this this past year. And I know this this seems a little crazy because it's, uh, or at least in my mind, this this draft is is a little nuts to try and exactly pinpoint where exactly everybody's going to kind of go here. But do you think uh, there would be any big surprises uh, come April twenty seventh here, Dan? Yeah, I think because we don't. We don't have a consensus of what the top five looks like uh, from an outside perspective, meaning from, you know, what all the NFL people have leaked to people in the media and therefore it's been compiled and so forth and so on. I'm not convinced that Solomon Thomas is the number two player and everybody's bored from what I've heard. So I'm not convinced that he's going to San Francisco. So what I think is going to happen is that these GMs are calling each other and setting up potential trade parameters now in the first round. That's 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 already been going on. I was listening to Mark Dominic talk about that this morning. Yeah, that that stuff's been going on. I think we're going to start to see some players move in that first six to eight picks that teams aren't going to anticipate necessarily being there. They're going to hope that maybe it comes and then it comes to fruition. I think we're going to have movement. I think we're going to have movement early. I think we're going to have movement often because I think these boards are so disparate across all these organizations and what things they like at these positions. You know, the wide receivers, there's, there's a good group of them at the top, um, but they don't win the same way. The corners, same thing. There's a good group of them at the top. They don't win the same way. And so a team could easily have a preference. The safeties, same thing. Um, so I think, you know, as these teams go, hey, this was our guy at this position. And all of a sudden he's there, at, I don't know, eight. We didn't anticipate that. Well, good thing we had called that team. Here's our shot to, you know, make a move. So I'm I'm hopeful. Maybe that's just because I think that's, you know, an entertaining thing from <laughs> the outside perspective. But yeah. I'm hopeful that there's going to be some movement. Well, I mean, uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans, get your shoes on because that line's right up with what I think they should be doing. Anyway, hey, and Howie Roseman's a, a freaking wizard with this stuff. So absolutely. Let, you know, right. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Dan, we really appreciate it. Of course, uh, like I said, you can go to scoutingacademy.com uh, for more information on how yourself can be trained as a scout, which is fantastic. They've got a lot of big names there. Mike Martz, I know, is one of the last big ones, and uh, I think I think Dan might have uh, something up his sleeve as we get into this new term here. Also, I have uh, purchased it myself, the Inside the Pylon Draft Guide. It is phenomenal. Even Fran Duffy, for all those who are, are you a big fan, has endorsed it as well because it literally is a guide that is the closest thing to what they're going through in the war room there, and it's going to really help you out on draft day, and we'll definitely be using it on BGN Radio at the draft. Dan, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hanging out. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. So, again, um, it, it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of this – ends up playing out and and Dan said some interesting things and the one that I think stood out the most and this is something that I think happens in a lot of different places whether it's the media and obviously Dan's kind of confirmed that when you're talking to individual players at the combine or wherever you're kind of meeting these guys 
they have great personalities. And if there are there are people that you think, wow, I can really work with this, that that tends to be like anywhere else, like any job on the planet when you're going in for an interview. If you can work with somebody, that's half of the battle. That is half of the battle. Well, I mean, in this case, you have to play football. But it's it's the same thing, too. Like, you have to know what you're uh, getting into here. And that's, that's interesting because I see a lot of that with NFL media, and then people bl- get blamed as – sunshine pumpers or whatever but that's not that's not the case a lot of times Toronto. i mean you just you see their talent and you know their personality and you're like wow i can really work with this guy yeah yeah you definitely see the talent and, and you see the personality and i think being coachable is something that that really has to factor in you know and even just just the guy's football intelligence has to factor in also one of the things uh, duke riley i remember talking to him and he said that one of the things that really helped him in his meetings was the fact that he was able to draw up different 3-4 defenses as well as 4-3. So he benefited from being in a really good defense in two different type of schemes at LSU and, and having you know started for them for a year and a half. So, yeah, you're right, man. When you get a guy, and it's, it's, it's a people business. You know, anytime you have that interaction, there's, there's a people business. And, you know, just like... When we met, you know, we, we clicked, oh, yeah, you know what, I could work with him. Yeah, I could work with And it just happens. You know what I mean? So, yeah, 100%. I, I think that personality side of it goes into it. Now, sometimes you, you kind of want a guy that's just, you know, a butthead <laughs> because certain positions just call for that. You know, you like nasty offensive linemen. So when a guy like, like Julian Davenport, who obviously isn't nasty, off of the field, but on the field he is. But when a guy like that says he loves football more than basketball because he gets to rough people up and, and not get in trouble for it, or you have a guy like a Garrett Bowles saying that he fell in love with football because he likes to be able to punch people in the mouth and, and, and get away with it, those are the things that you like in those mm-hmm. type of guys. So it, it's even interesting how it changes by position as well. You know, wide receivers, corners. Uh, uh, linebackers, you know, you want those guys to be that more aggressive type, that that type A, that alpha male, and, and it's just how things just just work out in the different positions. Quarterbacks, you know, you want them to be the cool guy, you know, or, or the all shucks guy like a Carson Wentz, you know, a, a cool guy like a Jameis <laughs> Winston, and that's that's the great thing, you know, from talking to these guys. I've never heard that description, an all shucks guy. That is that is completely right because he's like I mean he's a dork right I mean Carson's a dork and I, and that's okay like that's okay because when you hear him talk about football at least from that video that the Eagles released in the combine whenever that was uh, a month ago you just you understood that's a prime example yeah. of like now I get it now I understand why why these guys were like oh my god yeah this this we love this we want more of this we want him to be our potential franchise quarterback. Speaking of that, too, uh, by the way, uh, we're going to have Emery Hunt next week from Football Game Plan, uh, Toronto and I's good friend, to kind of have a, a wrap-up show, the final preview show of the NFL draft. And Carson Wentz's name may or may not come up. We may or may not have a debate about it, and it'll be uh, a lot of fun. He might also join us a couple of weeks after because he's going to be in town uh, doing some stuff at Penn in studio. So we'll have him live and in person, and maybe we can get into a fight uh, physically there, too, uh, although I would never do that because he would kill me. Uh, but I, I do want to take some time to uh, to a- allow uh, Mr. Mr. Davenport here to pat himself on the back because uh, fr- now we can say friend of BGN Radio also had a uh, a workout 
and that is Akella Weatherspoon. And, and that makes me excited, man. I mean, that's, you know, we don't need to go through uh, why we love him again so much because you can go back to, uh, I think that was episode 221 uh, when uh, we sat down and talked to, or two, uh, two, 231, excuse me, uh, and sat down and talked with him. But he makes a lot of sense here, man. I mean, that's, I just want to reiterate that. Like, he, he, as a press yeah. corner, with how fluid he is for being that tall, I, I, I really like him here. Yeah, he makes a lot of sense. You put him on the outside and let him do what he does. And I, I think, and, and it's funny because I, I told him this. I say, you know, the Eagles are very high on John Ross. And I'm sure when they watched that Washington versus Colorado game, I'm sure that helps your stop as far as their concerns. Because he did have a, a solid game, not only against Ross, but just overall. But, um, yeah, he, he said the workout, well, not workout, but the meeting went well. And, and you know, he really likes some of the things that, that the Eagles do. And as we mentioned on, actually, as he mentioned on the show when we had him on, there's a lot of similarities as far as what they did at Colorado to what the Eagles do. And it's it's a match 100%. So when you have a coach that likes a guy and you have the guy who likes the scheme, hey, man, you, you can't be mad at that at all. Absolutely. Uh, also uh, visiting the Eagles this week, uh, Alvin Kamara, who's been in a lot of people's minds for a while. They that came in for a visit. Uh, I know Tehran's not exactly the, the highest on him, uh, but he, I think he's a really good football player. So that's something they could be looking at second, third round, somewhere around there. Also, uh, my favorite, my favorite toy of this draft, and I shouldn't love him as much as I I do, but Dory Jackson also came in for a visit. So I hope his personality shined and. Uh, I really like mm-hmm. I really like his talent. Obviously, his technique is is kind of all over the place, but that's Corey Unlin's job. And again, I know that kind of makes people a, a little bit shaky when it comes to that too, because we really don't have uh, a great guidance on on exactly the development of a lot of the secondary that's going on because they're not here. So that that that's always kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. And uh, and a guy that Tehran and also Emery, and that's why I brought up his name, have been talking about for a very long time, North Carolina A&T. You mentioned him last week on the podcast, so you must be Nostradamus here, Tehran. But Tariq Cohen, uh, who's uh, you know an outside rusher here, who's who is, let's just be honest, who's a freaking stud and, and is turning a lot of heads and has been for a long time, came in and visited with the Eagles. Why do you like him so much, Tehran? Yeah, when you look at Tariq Cohen, he, he's a guy that they call him the human joystick, you know, and he's someone that, that, that you could have in, in the return game. You could use him, obviously, out of the backfield, catching the ball, use him on stretch plays, and he's someone that's – he's a playmaker. I think, really, that's the bottom line. And, yeah, people are going to question his size and this, that, and the third. But as Emery said, what if I told you a guy that was 178 pounds came into the league and ran for over 10,000 yards? That guy's name – as Emory pointed out, was work done. So mm-hmm. size is definitely something that, hey, you know, if a guy's if a guy has it and knows how to use it, like a Keller Weatherspoon, it's great. But if a guy doesn't have it, but is just a, an outstanding football player like Tyreek Cohen is, that's that's great too. So as we say, you know, a football game plan. One of the things that we say is size is not a skill, and that's definitely the truth. We talked about Dante Deontay Foreman <laughs> last week and, and how. <laughs> You know, size can be a bit misleading. But when you look at Tyreek Cohen, he's, bottom line, he's a playmaker. People love what Darren Sproles brings to the table. I'm not saying he's Darren Sproles. What I am saying is he's one of those Mighty Mouse kind of guys that, you know, just is an all effort and and legs are always churning. 
and creates big plays. And that's what you want. And, and that's what he would bring to this team. But then in addition to that, you know, another small college guy, you know, an HBCU guy is, is Chad Williams. We didn't get to mention him out oh, of man. Grambling. And he's a guy that, you know, visited with the Eagles. And uh, in addition to that, you look at his pro day, 439. I think it was 20 reps or something like that. It was a high amount on the bench. And the guy had darn near a 40-inch vertical. He was mm-hmm. a standout at the Senior Bowl. He even got into a fight during the Senior Bowl Love practices. That. So, you know, you like guys that, that have, once again, I, I said, that dog, that alpha in them. <laughs> and he has that. And I'll be honest with you, everybody's saying, oh, well, Christian McCaffrey catches the ball better than any. Listen, Chad Williams, and you could quote me on this, Chad Williams has the best set of hands in this You're not draft lying. class. You're not lying. I've been because we're we're all I think you and I are humongous fans of this guy. And I know that the term like, oh, this guy's not being talked about enough. This guy is not being talked about enough. Chad Williams is a absolute stud. And I think it could be a steal I pretty much anywhere, honestly. I know that there's look, there's there's always gonna be limitations in somebody's game. Everybody's gonna have those flaws and whatever, but Jesus, I mean, he just has that thing, you know, and, uh, and <laughs> I think, oh, Teron, what's funny is because, uh, I think Matt, our own Matt Daring is making a chart of, <laughs> of that saying that you always say, where it's just like, does he have, does he have that dog in him? Yes or no. <laughs> and just like, you know, uh, if, if you say no, then you probably shouldn't be drafting, which is always a, a fun way of saying it. I think that's your new catchphrase coming on here, but it's the truth. It's and he is the, the emphasis of that, uh, and 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 not a, you know, and there's there's guys that do, and there's guys that don't. One of them that we also think that that does have that dog in him, and uh, he was, uh, th- uh, you know, we we're really grateful for his time. We sat down with him last week, and uh, he had a he had a tight schedule, so uh, we uh, we really appreciate it. UTEP, uh, Aaron Jones is uh, is kind of an interesting name here as as we keep going along here. I know that there's not a uh, a ton of tape that's on him with uh, with draft breakdown, but there are about three games. There's one uh, this year from Texas that was on there, uh, but we were thankful enough to sit down with them last week. So here's Aaron Jones from Utah. And joining us right now on the Clippet TV hotline, a, a very interesting prospect because he could go a lot of different ways. I've seen some comps where it's just like, oh, this guy's in every down back. Oh, he's a real situational guy, but a, a weapon nonetheless, and we're happy to have him on the BGN radio uh, right now, it is Mr. Aaron Jones. From, uh, f- I guess we have to always say former. Now I can't. I can't get yeah. it out of my head. But from YouTube, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron, how are you doing this afternoon, buddy? I'm I'm doing good, and you? Uh, doing doing fantastic. Well, more or less, we want to know how you're doing. More of all, because I can't imagine what this what this process is like. There's you know a, a big buzz around this running back draft class. There's all these different things. There's workouts. There's what's what's your schedule like these days? Uh, it's pretty busy. Uh just working out two times a day uh had a few workouts so uh throw that in there um st- making sure my body's right so staying in the training room um really uh just staying busy really i tell you a- any guy who has uh, 17 over 1700 yards in his final uh season before going pro is going to have some meetings so i, I could understand that i, I know you had a a workout with, with philadelphia how did that workout go? And what were some of the things they said they liked about you? Uh, it went good. Uh, a lot of, a lot of, not not too many drills. We did a couple of drills. A lot of route running. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they wanted me to see me do a lot of route running because uh, 
they that's what they do a lot in their offense, like with their running back there and Sproles. Um, so they had me run a couple routes, and I did good in that. And uh, they said they li- they were happy with my workout, and they liked what I did at the combine as well. That's awesome, man. And and what is uh, – oh, no, sorry. Go ahead, Teron. Yeah, I wanted to get into that a little bit because I'm glad you mentioned the route running because I, I watched a few of your games, and the pass re- – the catching skills, man, they're there, man. And there was one play where your quarterback broke – contain in the pocket, you know, and the, you guys worked the QB scramble drill. And I was impressed with how you knew to turn up field and he was able to gather himself and he threw it down there. You high pointed it in the end zone. And I was telling John, I said, that's a catch that even a wide receiver would be proud of. W- where did you develop and how did you get those type of skills and the understanding of the passing game? Uh, my sophomore year in high school, I played slot receiver instead of running back. Uh, there it is. And that's where I started that. Uh, so pretty much there, uh, I just started catching the ball. I've always been able to catch the ball since I was uh, little, but um, that really changed it for me when I uh, played receiver in high school. And uh, just being able to uh, put that in, add that to my game as well was a big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely, and it, and it. I mean, it elevated you to be an all-time leader over at over at UTEP. What was your What was your college experience like? Uh, my college experience it was fun. I got the chance to play with my twin brother. Yeah. Um, also, my cousin. We all got to play on the same That's team. That's awesome. Um, and that was a goal for me and my brother uh, going in as a uh, as well since we started playing football. So being able to do that was a big thing for me. And uh, my time at UTEP was great. I, I accomplished most of the things I wanted to do besides win a conference championship. Um, but other than that, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That's awesome, man. And so, like when, um, you know, when I when I look at your game, it's obviously there's a ton of home run ability, and that's that's what excites me about a lot of that. We've already mentioned the the pass catching ability. W- what would you say to the summer? Just like you know, I, I I look at this guy as as more of a a third down back. How do you prove that you are an every down back in this league here? Uh, just when I get my chance, uh, prove to them that I can play every down, that I can pick up blitzes that I can uh, run the ball first, second, uh, catch the ball third, or whatever they need me to do, um, that I can make an impact on the team. Looking at the scheme and just the, the way things happened at, at, at UTEP and that offense is obviously a pro-style offense. And one of the things that stood out to me was your, your cutback ability, your vision, your footwork, and how those things are together. And that's something that I always like to talk to uh, top-flight running backs like yourself about. So one play, one play, the one against Army where the I'm not sure exactly what the play was, but it looked like it was designed to go to the left. But you had the division. You saw that cutback lane, and you cut it back, and you took it to the house. What What is it that allows your foot footwork and your vision to be on that same page like that, to do something like that that you did. Uh, main thing is understanding how the uh, blocking, how they uh, how my offensive line is blocking it. Um, what defense the defense is in. Um, I knew there was a one backside and uh, one technique backsiding. He uh, he crossed face and then the backers overflowed to the uh, play side, so I was able to cut it back. Mm-hmm. Cut that thing back against the grain. Take it to the house. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, another yes, thing that sir. I noticed, you, you run the ball pretty well inside. I saw numerous times. I think it was the Texas game where, you know, the, the defensive tackle was able to get in the backfield. You, you broke the tackle and you bounced it outside and you actually got the first down on that play. What's the mindset when you're running the ball inside? I mean, I know it's a want-to thing. You have to want to do that and have that mindset. So what is your mindset? Uh-huh. What drives you to be able to do that? My- 
Uh, my mindset is don't let anybody stop me and uh, always try to try to make a play every play. Um, and if I feel like can't anybody, nobody can stop me. So uh, you keep you keep that mentality. It'll take you a long way. And uh, what was your experience kind of like at the at the combine? Because I know that always is kind of a you know feels like a meat market. You're getting asked a, a bunch of weird questions all at once. And uh, what was the experience like for you? Uh, it was it was great for me. Uh, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else uh, during that time. Uh, I know a lot of people don't get invited to the combine, and there are people who wish they could be there. So I, I mean, I enjoyed myself uh, taking in the process. Uh, it was fun for me being able to keep, compete. Uh, with uh, some of the uh, top athletes, was it was fun. I know your your brother played linebacker, and uh, you, you know Philadelphia is a team that has had some really good linebackers. Can can you think of one of the most famous mm. players to be taken out of UTEP that also played for the Eagles? John Dormus. Close. He played linebacker. It, it might be a little before your time, but Seth Joyner. Seth Joyner. Oh, yeah, that's before my time. Yes. <laughs> He's on our wall, though. Yeah, Seth, I tell you what, you Seth Joyner, you go and check him out, man. He he is a legit Hall of Famer. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but one of the best linebackers. Defensive player of the year, I think, 1991. So, give you the little UTEP two-step, Tim Hardaway type. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I guess uh, just last one from us was just would just be like, what, uh, what are you uh, looking forward to most in – in this draft process, is it just, is it based on rounds? Is it based on a team you might fall to? What what's going to excite you the most when uh, when it becomes uh, NFL draft time here? Uh, just hearing my name called and uh, knowing I can end up in pretty much any place um, that's exciting for me, and I'm just ready to ready for it to happen. And is there anybody that you kind of grew up watching that you were like, oh, that's that's the reason why why I play this game. That's the reason why I want to get into the NFL. Uh, I grew up watching Emmitt Smith and Marshall Falk. Hmm. The receiving ability, the the running the ball inside, I see it. I definitely see it. A friend well, of mine, favorite two uh, players. A friend of mine gave gave you the comp. Uh, he compared your style to Curtis Martin, so uh, that's that's definitely a compliment. Also, Curtis Martin's a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Uh, well, Aaron Jones, uh, former UTEP, uh, heading into hopefully running up those rocky steps pretty here soon. Aaron, if you end up an Eagle, that would be fantastic. But uh, good luck on your journey, no matter where you land up. We're rooting for you, bud. Yes, sir. Thank you. And Teron, you had mentioned it, uh, you know, in the in the interview, but it makes it makes a ton of sense here for the Eagles as well. Yeah, it definitely makes sense because, as he said, he played in a pro system. He's a guy that has that vision and footwork to make those those cuts, the the backside cuts that, that you need to make, you know, the cutbacks. So that's something that, that comes to the table with him. I think he's a good back, and he's a value pick. You know, if he's there for them, you know, fourth round, something like that, where they have two picks, hey, man, he, you know, you put him right in the, in the mix with a guy like a Jamal Williams. You put him in the mix with, well, my guy, you know, little Joe, <laughs> will probably be a fifth or sixth round guy, but you know he's right Run over there a motherfucker's that, that face. Group of, of guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will always Channel say it. Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, <laughs> but that goes back to like we said. You know, you you meet a guy and you talk to him, and and you start liking him because yes. you know, hey, look, man, he said that, so now it's like, yeah, man, you know, I like that he has that in him, and and, and that's just something that happens when you you talk to these guys, and that's why. Dan made an excellent point. A lot of times, you know, they make sure that, that there's there's meetings with a guy and he's cross-checked and, and another guy goes in and looks. And, and, and by the time we get to this point right now, 
You've read so many reports on him. You have multiple guys who, you know, have, have, have met with him, specifically the position coach. That's why I look at the position coaches when they're going to these different pro days. That's one of the things that I track when they're working a particular guy out. Because even like Devion Smith from Michigan, he and, and, and Deuce Staley developed a relationship when Deuce was the offensive coordinator at the Shrine Week practices, you know. Um, Devion is a guy that we could probably get on as well if, if you want to get him on the show. Absolutely. Uh, I could shoot him a text. But, you know, that's the thing when you see these relationships. Look at last year, Wendell Smallwood, right? You know, he said that that he and Deuce created, formed a, a bond. And, and Deuce was one of the guys he looked up to when, when he was younger. So it's just the way that the thing works, man. It's a people business. So when these guys meet someone, and, and that's why it's so important to, to – you know, have the opportunity to meet with a player before you draft them. And speaking of people, uh, persons and people, people, uh, let's take some of your questions right now as well as you've done a beautiful job at BGN underscore radio. If you're not following us on the twitter.com and also be sure to, uh, on the Facebook page as well, uh, where it's facebook.com slash BGN radio podcast. That's where we're going to be, uh, doing all of our live stuff is through, Facebook and through our Mixler page, where I think it's just mixlr.com slash BGN dash radio, which is a mouthful, but all of that stuff will be in written form <laughs> on Bleeding Green Nation or BGN radio.com, and we'll be tweeting out all of the uh, the links. Uh, Juan Galvez, who made fun of my gringo tacos the other night, and they definitely were that. And I apologize uh, to everybody there, but I still enjoy them. I'm still sorry. I like hard shells and I like olives in there. I know it's it's weird and it's. Very American, but uh, I, I love all tacos, so I will eat any any kind of them. Uh, double dip on Witherspoon and Elder. Of course, he's referring to Corn Elder in the second and third round and maybe get Jamal Williams speaking to that or Connor in the fourth round. What do you think about that? Kid me, I would, you're talking to the two right guys, I think, for that. I, I'm freaking I – am, I am – let me just say, I am obsessed with Corn Elder here obsessed it just works here he fits here I know a lot of people have pegged him as a as a safety in the NFL I don't really see that I think he can play a little bit outside I think maybe he's probably better suited in that nickel spot but Jesus does he I just I don't know I, I love Teron uh, or I, oh I love Teron too I love corn <laughs> so much here Teron yeah I mean he fits that nickel guy and he fits that what what the Eagles want, man? You know, we talk about dogs, right? Mm-hmm. They don't get much much more doggy than, than <laughs> Corn Elder. He he plays with physicality. He's a guy you, that 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 you know that Ron Brooks how they they like to blitz him off the edge earlier in the season, and then found more success blitzing Malcolm Jenkins off the edge from that nickel spot. That's what you could do with Corn, and he's someone. He's not the biggest guy, but he'll come up and he wants to tackle. You know, he lives yeah. to tackle. So that's what you want, man. He would be a great compliment to Akella Weatherspoon and uh, Jalen Mills because that will allow those guys to play on the outside. I think Mills is a legitimate outside corner. Obviously, he's not the fastest, but hey, it's if you could slow a guy down, then then you're fine, you know. So Absolutely. I think that's a, a good mix. Then he mentions Connor, and you talk about physicality. You talk about a guy that's a short yardage back, you know, get you those tough yards, but can also be a regular part of the offense, that's James Conner because he can catch the ball at the backfield now. That dude's an athlete. You know, he played defensive end as well as as, as running back in, in the past. So he definitely brings it. And then the thing I love most about Conner is his story. Anybody who overcame cancer, 
I'm rooting for you. That's really the bottom line. So you got to respect him. That that would be a, an awesome pickup for the Eagles. Yeah, I would be. I would be happy with with any of that combination that goes in there. Uh, this coming from uh, Braden Smith underscore tu. If a player like Foster, Lattimore, Solomon Thomas, etc., does not fall to fourteen, would you trade back? No, 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 <laughs> never, never in that spot. Your goal, as we talked about, Dan, and he he's thinking fireworks. I'm thinking fireworks. Tehran's thinking fireworks. You trade up in this draft. You try and get to 10. You get to 11. Hell, try and get to 8. I, you know, I, I, I trust Howie enough to make a, a pretty good deal here, even if that involves using a second rounder and getting something on the back end to do that. They have to move up to get an impact player in the first round. They can't sit and wait. If they think that there's not going to be a guy that's going to fall there, they have to move back. Under the, I mean, it is you always listen to offers. It would have to be in uh, like just the sweetest thing ever, I think, for the Eagles to to move down here. I mean, they would have to get a boatload in return, but I, I do think that there is going to be uh, a, a lot of movement going through there. Uh, let's uh, go to our good for well, our good friend Matt Gumbrecht here. Which uh, which one? Oh, wait, hold on. Again, I'm not I'm not reading this right. Which one player? Oh yeah, which one player who who have the Eagles visited? Would you absolutely hate to see them to draft here, Tehran? <laughs> That's a good That's question. A great question. Man. Um, a play, you know, I'll be honest, and it depends on where. So if we're talking first round, the guy I I wouldn't like to see them. I wouldn't. No, no, no. Not wouldn't like the guy who I wouldn't suggest they draft in the first round. <laughs> Very politically Marlon correct. Marlon Humphrey. Of you. Oh yeah, you know, yep, that's, that's a good one. It would have to be Marlon Humphrey because I don't see the the separation from Humphrey to to that other group of guys. I, I frankly think that Trey Davis White is better. I think Gary and Connolly is better. And that being said, watch him go out and, and and pick Humphrey, but he would be the guy if I had to pick one. Yeah, I think that's probably mine too. And and again, there's not like I don't hate Humphrey. I just hate him there. It would be a big kick in the dick. <laughs> Especially if we're down there driving like, oh, man, Marlon Humphrey at 14. I think a lot of people would be upset. I think there would be 75% upset, 25% like, come on, guys, give him a chance. And then it would, you know, and just like everything, it would boil over. Then we would get into August be like, you know, after watching some highlight tapes, I think he's pretty good and I would really like him here. And then we'll all love it. And then by the time that's, you know, all those games roll around in OTAs and people start tweeting, hey, this kid's pretty good. <laughs> They'll be like, see, I told you. Okay, we're going to be fine. So uh, uh, when are you guys – oh, this is come at not my real emails. What's up, uh, John, out there in Portland? When are you, are you next scheduled on WIP? Uh, it is going to be latish night Saturday, so 8 p.m., 10 p.m., uh, 8 to 10 p.m. on this, this Saturday, the upcoming one, which dates are not in my head for, for whatever reason. But if you're listening to us on Sunday, it's already passed, and it's probably already in the – the podcast feed itself uh, from at Philly Mike, our good friends over at the Green Legion. Who do you trust more in this? Uh, Howie's drafting skills or the Sixers medical staff? And uh, I know that uh, that that Tehran is is a dirty Mets fan. I don't. Do you you don't root for the Sixers as well, Tehran? Or where do, where do your basketball uh, allegiances lie? You know what? Don't I, tell I don't me the have Knicks. Any allegiance? Okay. You know, honestly, I I was a Knicks fan for quite some time, but. I just said I had to separate myself from from that disaster yes, that's going on up there. And man. I, I, I had to, you know, <laughs> but I like players, man. You know, Melo has been my favorite player uh, before him. You know, Dominique Wilkins, Bernard King. These are guys that, that I like Patrick Ewing. So I like I said, I've always been a Knicks fan, but 
I mean, growing up in this area, obviously the Sixers have been a team, you know, whether it be Ron Anderson. Yeah, I, I'll take you back to 88, 89, you know, Ron <laughs> Anderson with Roy, Roy Henson. And, and there that you team, go. You know, they were fun to watch with, with Charles Barkley. But, uh, no, I, I don't have any allegiances uh, to, the, to the question, though, that, that the guy asked. Yeah. And that's, that's a funny question. <laughs> but, hey, Ben Simmons said he's been cleared, so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. It looks good, you know, all through all that to rigmarole that we had, and then there's a simple green checkmark emoji made us uh, made us made us feel alive again. And then the you know ESPN comes out today, and it was just like, well, Embiid's uh, Embiid's tear wasn't that, that serious. He's already off of crutches. He's, he didn't even need them. So just like, oh my god, these things could happen. So uh, I don't know. I think it's fifty fifty, and uh, I, I will I will still slightly side with how he's drafting skills here. Because I'm a little nervous, I'll, I'll I'll bite when I see it in the in summertime here. Uh, here's a good question from well, and this is this is kind of we've semi debated this already. If both fall to 14, Lattimore or Fournette, uh, I'm I'm running I'm oh. running the card for Lattimore at 14. I you know I as much as I love Leonard Fournette, I think the the biggest need and the biggest playmaker is is Lattimore at this corner position right now. I don't think. There's people are starting to get weird with with the number ones. I know if Sidney Jones was still here, we would probably have a, a small debate on that. But uh, yeah, uh, uh, Tehran, I think that's a no brainer for me. Yeah, I, I think it's Latimer also because you got number one and number one, and in, in, in many books, number one running back, number one corner, and corner supersedes running back in in the pecking order. So yeah, I would go Marshawn. I mean, he's a guy I've talked about trading up for yeah, well, if yeah. I were the Eagles. So, yeah, man, that Marshawn is, is, will be the pick for sure. And that's from uh, Trussell NME. I, I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, but his display name just says T, so we'll just go with that. Uh, from Ernie Purcell, uh, factoring in scheme, how much does that uh, – how much does not being the guy in college uh, a concern for you uh, with, with corners, i.e., you know, like Conley played with – Lattimore and King played with Jones in that in that sense. How much does that factor in uh, when you're looking at players there, Teron? I don't think it really factors in. Uh, and, and when you look at even like look at the the Tease Tabor and Quincy Wilson combo, right? You know when when it was Vernon Hargreaves and Tease Tabor, Tabor was was getting tested so much because they wanted to shy away from throwing to Hargreaves. So now Hargrave go to the NFL and and Tabor is not seen as much and Quincy Wilson is getting tested more. So he's the guy that, that, you know, everybody is, is looking at a little bit differently because they threw at him more, but at end of the day, it really goes back to just, just watching their individual player, what he does within that scheme. I think that's the more important part, watching how they operate within that scheme, understanding what that scheme is and not allowing that to make you misdiagnose what it is that you're seeing. Uh, from the dirty, and that's a great point there, Toronto. From the dirty geek, uh, how many slices of pizza does it take to out eat uh, Brandon Lee Gowden, BLG? Let me tell you this, Billy. Oh. I'm a I'm a pretty big guy. All right, like I like to eat. I can't even touch him. Like it is impossible for me to get on his level. I am full before he's even, you know, thinking about being full. Like I I have sat down with this man and he's ordered a large pizza and just destroyed it in front of me. As I'm sitting there with like four slices, and I I can't even I can't even look at it, and I get I'm getting it boxed to go. It is impossible to out eat that man, and uh, it is <laughs> it's a sight to see. Let's just say that. Uh, from, <laughs> well, go ahead, Tara. What is that movie, the BFG? 
<laughs> that is Brandon, man. Yeah. He, he's yeah, he's a big guy, man. I'm sure it does take a lot to fuel that big body. For yeah, sure. goes uh, goes. Uh, he goes the right way. I'm going the wrong way. He goes up. I go out. So it's not you know maybe maybe I need to get a little taller and I can fit to fit some more things in there. Uh, from uh, Howard Myers at a fourteen eight all I think or eight ball or something something around those lines. Any draft diamonds in the rough already on this team? Aaron Grimes question mark, you know, Paul Turner, um, you know, if, if Jay Mattis is traded, could Turner be be a slot guy? Uh, I could kind of see that. Sure. Uh, I, I don't know if um, I don't know any other type of upside of, of Paul Turner other, other than he can catch a football, which was we were all dying for last year. And I don't we'll have to see that. I actually think that there's, uh, you know, uh, Joe Walsh is still kind of have. Is that right, Joe Walsh? The, is it the linebacker that got injured? ACL popped out. Uh, James, James Walker. James that's Walker. That's the one that's I was right. going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a diamond in the rough as well as uh, Azisha too. You have to mention him. And uh, another guy to to look at is Byron Marshall. You know, Byron Marshall is guy. a playmaker, mm-hmm. and he's the one that actually looked up to Sproles and patterned his game after Sproles and pulled a lot from him this year. You, you know, while they were on the on the team together, he was mostly practice squad to end of the season. So also better than Smallwood. I didn't say that, did I? I think I did. Uh, I, <laughs> you, you know, I I don't I don't Smallwood is good, man. He's no, I, he's a D. Go back and watch that Steelers game. Smallwood Smallwood could run that rock, man. No, he he can. I just I I I think I I don't know. I think I like Marshall a little more. I've had that opinion since the since the last draft too. So we'll we'll have to we'll have to see how that shakes out. I wonder what uh, what happens to uh, Marshall, especially if they bring in uh, some running backs and Smallwood's role and all that thing going in there. Uh, Stephen Walker, our good friend. I want to get into this a little bit too, and this is this is probably where we'll wrap it up here. But uh, uh, well, his first question is: Would you feel comfortable giving up? Uh, or what would you feel comfortable giving up to any move at any any part of the draft? So let's just say, um, what's the highest that you would feel comfortable with at the Eagles moving up to? Uh, I think eight's probably my limit. <laughs> you know, as far as like what they would what they would uh, want to climb up there. I, I don't think this is this is where you would see a move into the top three where they would trade with the Bears. But Teron, where would you feel no. comfortable uh, with uh, of how far the Eagles would move up this year? I think 10's the sweet spot with Buffalo because yeah. they, they, you know, they like Mike Williams and there's a good chance that they could get Mike Williams at 14. So I, I think that's something that, that they will be willing to do. So that, that would be the point right there for me. Uh, and then his second follow-up is the more interesting thing, and this is what's kind of happened in the last couple of weeks. Again, information comes out that the you know Cleveland is, is giving serious thoughts to drafting Mitch. I will never call him Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, at at the one spot, and I tweeted this thing out, man. I I just if the Browns passed on Wentz to draft this kid at one, we got to have a serious conversation about their analytics department and their team philosophy. I mean, really, I, I don't I, even. It's not even passing on Wentz. It's just drafting him. Period. Well, that too. That, I mean, this, it's, this it's kid both is, back is, to back to me. Unproven. He, he's got thirteen starts. Again, that Stanford game is is a game where you saw him get confused. Well, you know, when a team actually featured a player and moved him around, he threw two interceptions to him, and it, it's just no, no, not at all. And that's not even just just talking about Wentz. That's just him at number one would be a colossal mistake. Absolutely would for anything, and you are one hundred percent correct with that. It's just a lot of the things that then surrounded all that. There was a lot of Browns fans chiming in. 
saying that well Kessler is is already a, a better option and just debates on things about that of, of just like well they shouldn't even take a quarterback there and they should just ride it out until the next year and just like, like on and on and on and trust me I like what a lot of what the Browns have done with their picks and we have mentioned that before we we like some of the uh, you know the, the process type moves that they have made eating that big contract from Brock from the Texans for a second round pick it's a very smart thing to do you can only kick the can so far down the road without selecting a quarterback and just making that thing happen. And I was wrong. I was 100% wrong last year. I, I hated that the, 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 the Eagles kind of moved up for, uh, uh, for Wentz at the time. I just didn't think it was, it was worth all of that. Obviously, they recouped it. Bradford got a massive payday with that, and they got lucky with that and whatever. But at this point, you just kind of look at this and be like, man, thank God they're kind of not in this situation. And who knows if they would. I mean, I think they'd. Well, the Eagles would be at 12 right this year. So you would have to think, man, are they really going to really gonna try and trade up to go get one of those quarterbacks? I think the discussion is completely different. It would just be like, all right, well, whatever quarterback kind of falls in that range, they would probably have to take. Or we're talking about Sam Bradford getting paid or, or whatever. It would just be a, a freaking headache here. So, no, I, I, again, I don't know what Wentz is going to be. I don't know what it ends up happening here but man I'm telling you what and I and, and Teron may disagree with me here but if if the Browns at one draft Trubisky I want every single person that's with us at the NFL draft I want everyone that's in the crowd within earshot I want you to yell at your television you fucked up so loudly that it just you, you it can't be ignored just a, a good wrestling you fucked up you fucked up and just all throughout Philadelphia I don't care if that's what we're known for for the, the rest of the time and Mitch Trubisky ends up being a freaking Hall of Famer he won't be but if that happens I think we got to get that movement going man I mean like what the hell what what would the Browns possibly yeah. do there it's just it baffles me they should stick to Garrett they should try and 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 again uh, as much as I uh, the, the two things I think I were wrong about was like that. You know, uh, that's uh, – Jesus, I'm blanking here, Teron. Uh Yeah, yeah, Watson. Jesus, Watson. thank you. So even with Watson, which which I know is is semi-polarizing at this point, and I thought he was going to be the better prospect than Wentz, I don't know. But if you're an NFL team and you're not thinking about drafting this guy's the first one off the board, I don't know what right. to tell you, man. Like, seriously, I know, I know it's probably not his top end or, or whatever or, – Anything that everybody was expecting, he's still QB one in this draft run. Yeah, I agree hundred. I mean, there's no dispute in that. Yeah, you know, his his body of work, uh, what he brings to the table, he's unflappable. All the things that he's been through, you're not going to have something happen on the field that will rattle him. That just won't happen. And again, he's a a multi year starter. He's not a 13 game guy who came in and took over for a program and the program got worse. So I think that's something you have to look at. That program got worse, yes. you know, and and that's something we'll talk about next week when we have Emory on. And I'll, I'll really I look forward to that that conversation about Trubisky. And it, it's just unfortunate that he's being overdrafted like this or, or even like overrated. Mm-hmm. But I mean, because there are some things to work with, but not to the degree where he's a, a, a top five pick that's that's absurd yeah no way i want to know what your analytics department is honestly if that's what's happening there and there's i don't know i don't know what's going on but uh with that um uh tehran a pleasure as always my friend and uh it has been a very jam-packed show so again thanks to dan hatman of course thank you to aaron jones and thank you guys for listening to bg and radio 
episode number 233, right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com. He, he beat out Sean Hill. Alex Smith had the shoulder injury, so he was done for the year. Uh-huh. J.T. O'Sullivan and Sean Hill kind of competed for the spot. O'Sullivan had the spot before, because I think it was like the the third preseason game. O'Sullivan was named as the you know kind of named the starter of that game, which obviously you know that means you're the starter going into the season. And then they they deactivated. Uh, Alex Smith for the year, put him on IR, and Sean Hill was the backup. Yeah. But Dominique Ziegler was one of the – it was Dominique Ziegler, Arnez Battle. Uh, wow, I totally remember had, that squad now. They had an old, <laughs> an old, old Isaac Bruce. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Man, oh, man. That's one of, that, no, you were talking about one of Mike's guys. That's yeah, it. Yeah. When, you get, when you get to the Isaac Bruce days, you're <laughs> definitely talking about Mike's guys at that point. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. See, we should have talked about that on air, man. Oh, I, I don't. Don't worry. That's part of the bonus content. I'm recording it right now, so we'll we'll have that at, oh, at the end. Hey. A little Easter egg. So there we go. Uh, 